this evening. Uh, we're glad you're here. Grab your hymn book, stand to your feet tonight. Let's come and make a joyful noise uh, as Brother Ken comes to lead us tonight. All standing all over the building. Brother Ken, come on, buddy. Amen. Grab your red songbook tonight in the old red back hymnal, hymn number 346. Most of us know this song very well. I know my name is there. If you're glad your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life tonight, give it a big amen right there. Amen. First, second, and last verse tonight, hymn number 346. you're here. Thank you for being here tonight. Preacher, I want you to come open us up in prayer. Uh, I, I have a lot of titles, but there's none I like more than the dang preacher. Amen. And to me, this is the preacher. This is my father-in-law. I've uh, been my pastor now for uh, a whole lot of years. Amen. And I appreciate him, appreciate the 60 plus years he's been pastoring and preaching. And uh, he's one of my heroes and I sure love him. Appreciate him bringing some of his church here tonight. Preacher, I want you to take us to the throne of grace. And let's just go boldly tonight, because the Bible tells us that's how we can go and bring our petitions to him tonight. Preacher, come lead us in prayer this evening. Thank you for this. I was just, uh, my name be on a Coca-Cola bottle, but I'm glad it's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. God, I'm glad that it's been written and you've placed it there eternally. And that gives us something to rejoice over, because a lot of discouragements in the world. And we, but Father, most of all, we pray for the meeting. Father, Brother Greg, their first time now in the Jubilee, and Lord, may it continue to be a great success yeah. in the years to come. Bless Brother CT tonight, Lord, he's your man for the hour, and for these few days that they've got together. 
Father Noah Kyle will be singing for us. So, Lord, we're just asking the Holy Spirit that he'll anoint them specially in each of their categories of their way of worship and leading. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the blood that cleanses from all sin. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost will have his way tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, preacher. You can be seated tonight. You pray for our choir. Do you love him this evening? This song just asks God. If you mention his name, you listen now. I love this song. Love to hear Miss Lisa sing it. I hope it will bless your heart.
Boy, he's been good to us. Amen. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on, Jordan. We're going to do one more for you tonight. And uh, this is one of our favorite songs that Kyla's ever written. Uh, it sure blesses our heart, and I hope it'll do yours. Uh, we appreciate these folks being with us tonight. And uh, Jordan walked in. I said, buddy, I like your purple tie. Then I saw his purple socks, and I said, I like those too. You part of the choir tonight. Amen. So you listen now. I hope this will bless your heart. This is Something's Happening. Bethlehem. Shepherds declared that angels announced his birth and that caused a stir. When men came asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We've seen his star come to worship him. Herod was filled with wrath. The babe is now a man teaching a new doctrine with compassion and authority and people are following him. The chief priests and elders are outraged. There's a mob outside Pilate's hall today. Something's happening. In Pilate's hall On the porch Pilate pleads With an angry mob In this man called Jesus I can find no fault Something's happening as his beaten, disfigured body fell beneath the load of the cross. His mother ran to him. Soldiers pushed her away. I heard the hammer fall and I knew the nails had been driven. He was on the cross. The scoffers kept chanting. I heard him cry words of forgiveness. There was a darkness over the land and a great earthquake. Then I heard him cry from the cross. It is finished. We watched him die, but somewhere deep in my being, I know that this is not over.
Thank you for being here tonight. I want to recognize all of our preachers. We got a lot of preachers and pastors that came out tonight, and we're sure honored by your presence. We appreciate you taking time out of what I know are very busy schedules and bringing your folk with you tonight to our revival. So if you're a God-called preacher, I want you to stand, tell us your name, tell us what church you're from, so we can recognize you all over the bill tonight. We got quite a few. We'll start over here on my left with my father-in-law. Start over here, preacher. Thank you, buddy. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jason. Amen, Brother Silas. Appreciate you, buddy. Amen, CT. Amen, Jesse. Love you, buddy. How old are you, buddy? 13. Thank you for being here, man. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Love it. Thank you, buddy, for being here tonight. I like your jacket, man. That'd look better on me than it does you, I believe. Wouldn't fit me, but I sure like it. Amen. Thank you for being here. Hey, Taylor, thank you for being here, buddy. Thank you, Brother John. Make your way up here to the platform, if you would, for me, Brother Shelley. Thank you, Brother Gene. Love you, buddy. Thank you, Josh, for being here, man. I love you too, buddy. I love you too, man. Amen, Brother David. Thank you so much, preachers, for being here. Any of you folks, any of you fellas, or any of you young men or women who are interested in, uh, we just launched or uh, made a home here for Cornerstone Baptist College. Brother Dollar has been overseeing that for a few years now and uh, needed a home for it, and we're honored to have that here. So if you're interested in that education, you see Brother Toller tonight, and he can sure hook you up. Ushers, I want you to make your way down to the platform tonight. We're going to take up an offering this evening. Uh, and uh, ladies, I want you to play for us quickly. Brother Shelley, I want you to come on tonight and open us up in prayer and uh, ask God's blessings upon the offering. I love you, buddy. Appreciate the work God's called you to do and your faithfulness through the years, your friendship. You give generously tonight, and everything you give goes to support our meeting this evening. Let's go to the throne room together. Brother Shelley, pray for us. Pastor Hodges and church, and the blessings on the messages tonight, and song, and preaching. Lord, again, you know the need here. Blessed to give and to receive. Pray that all of us find the offering. As we give, God, may we never forget about that unspeakable. Pray.
Thank you for your gifts. Grab your hymn books one more time. We're going to have a song to stretch your legs. We're going to let uh, Kyla Roland and Deliverance make their way to the platform. Get ready to sing for us. Let's all stand together. Brother Ken, come lead us tonight. Page number 150 in your red book again. 150, the dearest friend I ever had. We'll do the first verse and chorus while they're coming up getting ready to sing tonight. Hymn number 150. is here with us. Would you give them a big round of applause? We love these folks. Had the privilege of being with them this weekend, and we're so glad they're with us all week long. I want you to pray for them now. We're honored with their presence, and you ask God to just uh, speak miraculously through them tonight in song. You listen now. to his home. 
saw me way back yonder in Eden knew I needed saving grace and this heart that loves him dearly that is what he sees today He's not, he's just barely on, we can't hear. That's all. Deaf in one ear and barely out the other. We've got to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what? I, I haven't. I brought my big Bible tonight and my big notebook. <laughs> you better put something on that table I can dine on. I've been praying for you, brother. Ministry. An easy ministry. There's no such thing as an easy ministry. My little beginner's teacher. I wouldn't have her job. You could pay me $100,000 a year. Well, I don't know. I might <laughs> give me some assistance. No, no easy jobs. A lot of people think, I think there was a little girl saved at Women's Mountain Retreat. I think that she thought she had just gone too far. And uh, she just got out of jail pretty girl, pretty girl, and her boyfriend got arrested for something stupid, and they let her out because she wasn't guilty, and somebody met her in the parking lot, told her we were having a women's conference, all about Jesus, she started crying, and she said, I sure do need to hear that. And as Peggy Box, a prayer warrior, 
talked to her. I talked to her, but she just had gone too far. God couldn't forgive her. Peggy said, well, can, can you recall a time in your life when Jesus saved you? And she said, well, what's the date today? She said, August the 26th. August the 26th. Never gone too far. All of us women, I'm not going to say the men, but all of us women, about every day we give up. I mean, God is not coming. He's tarrying too long. He's decided not to answer this prayer. It's punishment. It's chastisement. He's not going to come. Well, it's just me. He's not listening to me. Honey, there is no place on the face of this earth that his arm can't reach and that his love can't fill you. I just love this little song. I love hear, to hear Robin singing.
place that far. And Barry come home. I only told you after two years what brought him home. He was in an apartment that was rat and roach infested. Skin and bones had bad allergies. He wasn't going to make it long. His just lungs weren't going to hold out. And he wanted to die. But honey, he wasn't too far away for the arm of God. He went down that, oh, honey, God will come in some of the worst-smelling, worst-looking places you've ever seen. He went and got him. And Mary said, if you'll get me up from here, Lord, I'll go home to my mother. But I'll come home to you. Hang on. He's always on the way. He's always on the way. Burdens are temporary. Mother waited 20 years and two weeks for my brother. She never wavered. She stood right there, unshakable, where God said, I'm gonna use his life. I wish I had that kind of faith. We're gonna sing a song that uh, my brother kind of inspired me to write. You know, he, uh, through high school, he taught, uh, let's see, physics and calculus. I don't even know how to spell it. <laughs> I did take two years of algebra. <laughs> Took the same year twice, but boy, I really got it. They graduated me on a D minus. <clears throat> That's the truth. I got the grade card to show it. But anyway, I'm proud of that. Uh, but when Ron went into one of his uh, orations about something that interested him, he was on and on and on and on. It was interesting for about the first 45 minutes. And then... Just had all you could take. Well, Mother didn't put up with it. I mean, she was easily bored. If you weren't talking about Jesus, she didn't want to hear it. But at the supper table, I made the mistake of asking him. I said, Ron, uh, I'm trying to grow some flowers, but I just can't seem to have any, uh, any success at it at all. Well, honey... He began to give a, <clears throat> it was kind of an essay on the root system first, and then he went to the stem, and then he went up to, uh, I can't even, I don't even know the names of them. Finally ended at the petals, and <laughs> Mother sat there. She really sat there. I don't know why. It's about 20 minutes long. And when he finally got through, he Mother just sat there. She never looked around. She just looked up and she said, I never want to see another flower as long as I... Now, I can't tell you about the root system of a flower. I can't tell you how to work a calculus problem, equation, what? I don't know. 
but I can tell you about the blood. Because it's been applied to my heart.
Miss, it's hard. Abby don't see a lot of well days in her little life, but she just keeps going. She amazes me. You know that Satan, he, he is a liar, a thief. A deceiver, he's very cunning. And he's a destroyer. And what he wants us to do, one thing he wants us to do, is just not love Jesus. Just not have any faith in him. Give up. It's not worth the pain to serve Jesus, he'll tell you. But honey, I've come too far to turn back now. I love him more today than I ever have. I love him tomorrow more than I have today. And if he comes and takes me home tonight, I feel sorry for you all. You know, but up there, I won't have any, I won't have to suffer worried about you all. Bless your little hearts. I won't worry a lick about you. And nothing's going to keep me from loving Jesus. Been to, through too many fires, too many storms. Let's sing, Bob.
from returning can't do it he'll come at the very moment the very hour that the father tells him it's time to go get my children honey the devil lost the battle in Eden ain't you glad of that hallelujah praise his name I've enjoyed singing to you I think uh, uh, pap is about to had it <laughs> we're going to sit down a while Time for some. Did you enjoy them tonight? Would you let them know it? Come on, CT. Love this, folks. Love this family. Appreciate the ministry. And I'm honored to have this preacher with us tonight. He's been a friend of our church and of our ministries here in our SAGBC for a lot of years. And I believe, as Brother Heath said yesterday, he's one of the most anointed preachers in America today. I believe God's got his hand all over him, and that means the devil's fighting him and his family every step of the way. If you're glad to see Brother C.T. tonight, would you let him know this evening? 
Well, it's a joy to be here. Grab your Bibles tonight and turn anywhere you want to. It's all good. You're going to be where I'm at. Go to the book of Numbers, chapter number 21. When you get there, stand to your feet all over the church in honor and reverence for the Word of God. While you're turning, those of you looking in the New Testament for the book of Numbers, you're going to be there for a while. And, uh, but it's my joy, my honor, and my privilege to get to be here. I thank God for Pastor Hodges, his family, this church, and um, I thank God for the opportunity to come to the church house and meet with God's people. How many of y'all know this is God's idea, not our idea? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I think we need more of this, not less of this. And it's my joy, my privilege, and my honor. I would rather come to church than Six Flags. It's what I do every day of my life somewhere, and I enjoy it. I made up my mind a long time ago I wasn't going to let a bunch of dead Baptists ruin the only thing I get to do. And I'm going to enjoy going to church. And I thank God for Miss Kyla and the heritage that she has passed to our generation. And I begin to think while she was singing how many times I've been going down the road with the weight of this world on my shoulders and a song that God gave her come on the radio or on a CD and God used it to lift the load in my life. Miss Kyle, I want you to know I thank God for you. I thank God for the gifts and the talents he's given you to be a blessing to all of us. That's right. And uh, I wonder what God could do if many people would be as dedicated as she's been to use the gifts and the callings that God's give you. And uh, I thank God for people that's been faithful and the heritage that she's passed down to this generation. And they still young people. We sing her songs at camp. We sing her songs at conference. And uh, I thank God for the heritage she's passed to our generation. And I thank God for you being here tonight. And uh, I believe this, that above all else, we need the Holy Ghost to meet with us. The old songwriter said it right, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. We can't pray without the Holy Ghost. We can't sing without the Holy Ghost. And we sure can't preach without the Holy Ghost. And uh, so we're going to get into the Word of God tonight. While I preach, I need you to pray for me. God would help me. I appreciate my wife being in church with me tonight. Uh, And uh, one of the first times she's got to be in church, she's a trooper. And... uh, (laughs) Miss Kyla said, you look so pretty, you can't be sick. And I said, you don't know how much medicine she's on right now. <laughs> and uh, if Becky starts speaking in tongues, and I just it ain't her, I promise you, I promise you. Uh, but I appreciate her being with me tonight. And she's been walking through a valley, got a doctor's appointment at Duke tomorrow. I've never once heard her complain, never heard her say, why God? I've never done that, but I've watched her just day in and day out through this valley, her and me both knowing that there's another side to this thing. And uh, with new levels come new devils. I know it's an attack. I know the devil's doing everything he can to fight. I can't even go into the levels of attack that my family's facing right now. And uh, I understand where the source of it is. But I'm glad that the Word of God's very clear. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I'm glad I've read the end of the book. And we win. And uh, it's a joy. And I mean, and I know there's a bunch of preachers that could be standing here tonight, and it's my privilege to get to stand before you tonight. Numbers chapter number 21, verse number 5. 
And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. Came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, I want everybody to say those next two words with me, he lived. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help us now as we dive into your word. I pray God you'd give me the unction that the old timers prayed for. God, don't make me just get up here and talk for a while, but I pray, Holy Ghost, God, may you unctionize this room with thy spirit and with thy glory. May you smile upon what's going on in this room tonight. I pray, God, for old time Holy Ghost conviction to settle down in this room, speak to our hearts, transform lives, set people free, break the yoke of bondage that the devil's by praying. Shame on the devil tonight. Make him run out of here in defeat. And God, above all else, God, you know my heart. I pray, God, you'd receive maximum glory for everything that's said and done. I, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. In the book of Numbers, chapter number 21, we find here where uh, all these things are going on. Moses is leading the people, and we find that, that, that sin entered into the camp, and the people begin to speak against God and speak against Moses and, and talk about all that's going on. They had just been delivered out of the wilderness. They've been, or they have been delivered out of captivity, rather, and all that goes along with that. And we find that God has met every need, and God has supplied everything that they needed along the way. And we find that we, we do a study, and we're going to go through all this, but because of that, that there were five serpents that were introduced into the picture and they were biting the people. People were dying left and right. God, uh, the people began to talk to Moses and said, we have sinned against God and against you. Go pray unto God that he'll take all this away. And Moses goes and prays to God. And God says, get a, a fire, make a fiery serpent, put it upon a pole. And those that have been bitten by these snakes can look upon that brazen serpent and they can live. Many preachers have preached on that look and live. Look and live. All of it is a foreshadow of the cross of Calvary that happened nearly 2,000 years ago. But the very first thing I want to dive in tonight, number one straight from the text, is the cause of these snakes. The cause of these snakes. 
We find here in verse number 5, they speak against God and against Moses. Watch this. When you look at this, you think, my God, it doesn't look like they were all out getting drunk in the middle of the street. They weren't killing people. It was just that they spake against God and that they spake against Moses. Notice this. It was not necessarily a punishment for the deeds that they'd done as much as it was for the condition of their heart. It was the condition of their heart that made God look down and say, my, 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 what does it do to God when God has delivered them out of captivity? God has delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. God has met every need that they've ever had. God has supplied the manna every single day. And yet after all that God has done to supply the needs of his people, instead of them raising their hand in victory and in praise, thanking God for for what he's done, we find them looking and murmuring and complaining, wanting more and more and more. And the wrath of God was kindled, not because of the deeds they did, but because of the condition of their heart. May I say that you and I t- should take heed tonight to know that God doesn't necessarily look at the things that we're doing, but he looks at the condition of our heart. And how dare we live in this society and God be as good to us as he has been and put food on our table and put shoes on our feet and put clothes on our back and save us from a devil's hell and all of the blessings that he daily loadeth us with and yet all of these blessings are piled upon us and yet we look in the face of God and we murmur and we complain ladies and gentlemen I say that we ought to take recess and shout for about an hour not over what God's doing but over what God's already done I say this tonight God's been better to me than I've ever deserved in my life if I got what I deserved I'd be in hell right now but thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory I don't have to whine and complain but I can lift my hands in praise and say thank you God for being so good to me the cause of these snakes Look at verse number 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents. Notice this. Let me give you all some deep Campbell's Creek, West Virginia theology. Now watch this now. It don't say that the devil sent fiery serpents. I believe we give the devil way too much credit. Something happens in our life. This generation, oh, preacher, the devil's picking on me. Most of the time, it ain't got nothing to do with the devil. You want to live like a junkyard dog and live however you want and live for Jesus on Sunday and live for the world the rest of the week and you wonder why things going bad. Could it be that it ain't got nothing to do with the devil? But here's what the Bible said, that if we're his, he will chastise us. And if we live how we want to live and live in sin, then God I'm trying to think of a good word for this. We'll wear you out. The Lord sent fiery serpents. The cause was sin in the camp. Sin in the camp. That was why this is going on. Snakes are crawling everywhere, biting everybody. And the truth is, it's God in His sovereignty and God in his mercy and God in his many times what looks to be the judgment of God is really the mercy of God and him steering us to where we need to be. 
And we find here these snakes are a direct cause of the sin that had crept into their heart. Not only do we see the cause of these snakes, but secondly, we see the curse of these snakes. The Bible said in this same verse, and many people died. I began to put myself inside the text as I studied, thinking about what it would be like to be living in a home infested by and the helpless feeling you have that no matter how many towels you put in the corner, those snakes keep finding a way into your house. Knowing I got these little babies, Tucker, Siler, and Everly, all of them are dear and precious unto me. And I begin to think about what it would have been like to be living in those days as though parents are so protective. People are dying there and they're dying there. And you try to get a, just a moment of sleep, but you can't sleep because you're scared to death if you lose the watch. Then one of your babies is going to get bit. And the absolute fear that creeped into that place all because of the curse that was upon that land because of their sin. May I say, my, my grandpa said it like this, the only good snake is a, I'll be honest, y'all, I don't like them. I don't like them. These yahoos that pick up these serpents and play, I, look here, you crippled too high for crutches, man. I ain't got no part of nothing with that. I'm talking, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about just, I don't like them. I'm an outdoorsman. I'm a deer hunter. Last week I went to my, my, my lease in Ohio putting trail cameras out and hanging tree stands. And I, uh, you know, deer season will come around and I, I got to make myself walk in the woods before daylight. But I, I know you got to get out there. I'll put my man britches on. I'll, I'll start walking through them woods. I got 15 flashlights hung on my head so I can't, you know, I don't want Sasquatch or Bigfoot to come get me. I'm, I'm walking through those woods and my leg will hit a limb here, but it'll move the other side over there. O.J. Simpson can't run as fast as I can, y'all. You hear me? I'm gone. Gone. Because the only good snake is a dead snake. I'm amazed at how we treat nowadays. The text here is prophetic, relating sin to a snake. The book of Genesis talks about sin and what it was that Satan was beheld as a snake. And many times I believe we treat sin like a pet instead of like a snake. The cause of these snakes was sin had entered into the camp. And because the snakes had come into the camp, we find a great curse with people dying left and right simply because these snakes were venomous. They were dangerous. Three categories of venom that flows through all venomous snakes around the world. And we find the very first one is hemotoxic venom. Hemotoxic venom is very dangerous. All venomous snakes around the world come from one of these three categories. And this hemotoxic venom, when a, when a snake that has this hemotoxic venom, when it bites you, it has one goal and it goes through your bloodstream. It has a desire to get to your heart. Have you learned that sin has a goal and that is to destroy your heart? Sins of bitterness. Sins of jealousy. Sins of hatred and racism and all these different things have one goal and they bite you and run straight to your heart. And now you can't shout and you can't worship and you can't rejoice because you've allowed the devil to put his venom in you and it's attacking your heart. 
The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. These snakes, they carry a hemotoxic venom. Number two, they carry a neurotoxic. Neurotoxic venom, one of three here, that does not go to your heart, it goes to your And then I have learned this, that the battle of this generation is not on the outside. If you knew the spiritual warfare that I deal with and the spiritual battles, that, that and it's not necessarily on the outside, but it's on the inside. That's why Jesus, that's why the Bible teaches to put on the helmet of salvation because the warfare of this generation is he can get in the mind. Depression, anxiety, all the stuff that goes on. And you watch in churches nowadays and the devil will implant a thought into the mind. And before you ever get started, you're already defeated. Why? Because if the devil can't get to your heart, the devil will get to your mind. Hemotoxic venom, neurotoxic venom. Then thirdly, cyto, C-Y-T-O, cytotoxic venom. This is like a copperhead. It, watch this. It doesn't destroy the heart and it don't destroy the brain. It destroys everything it bites. It's like a flesh-eating thing. It begins to destroy all the tissue where the bite and it begins to spread. And if it's not treated, it will completely kill you because it is destructive and will destroy everything around it, tissue. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm amazed at how we treat sin like a pet instead of like a... Oh, Cody was talking at the summer conference in Gatlinburg about old Steve Irwin. Y'all remember him on TV? Crocky! I'm in the dark jungles of Africa, and today I'm going to meet the black mamba, the most dangerous snake in the entire world, and I'm going to touch it. And I'm on the other side of the TV saying, Run, Steve! Run, Steve! He's like, you got to go quietly. This thing could jump up in 0.3 seconds and bite my head off. They can run, Steve! Crazy. He'd be picking them things up and handling them things. Crazy. But the truth is, that's how we're living nowadays. Instead of treating sin like a snake, we've got comfortable with it. The church has got worldly and the world's got churchy. And we've allowed things to creep into our lives that we never look here. I ain't preaching against TV. If you don't like your sin to me, I'll keep it. But if somebody came in your house and talked in your home the way that TV does, you'd throw them out of your house. But we let our children be entertained by the filth of this world. And we're living in a day when you can climb on the internet and just see anything you want to. And instead, we treat it like a pet instead of like a snake. You see, the devil, he don't take you out with one shot, but the devil gets in there on a slow fade, and it gets a little here and a little bit there, and before you know it, you're bit all over the place, and the devil will destroy your life because you chose to treat sin like a pet instead of like a... The curse of this generation is 
Listen to me, we're living in absolute warfare. I believe we're living in days of blessings. I believe in my spirit that I believe that God's doing something in this generation like I've never seen before, little embers of revival. And people are getting a heart cry to see God move in this generation. I believe there's a groaning. I believe there's an awakening on the brink where God's people are arising and saying the answers are not in the White House and the answers are not in a dollar bill and the answers are not here and there, but that the answers are among the people of God seeking the face of God in a spirit of revival and hear me when the people of God go to a new level you better believe that the devil's going to fight with everything he has and you better believe it's not a matter of if the devil is coming after you it's a matter of when the devil is coming after you and you got to guard your heart you got to guard your spirit you got to guard your mind because the devil is a real adversary the devil is a real opponent and he wants to destroy your family he wants to destroy your marriage he wants to destroy your teenager he wants to destroy your church and your kids and your family until you got nothing left when oh when oh when is the church going to realize that another Baptist is not your enemy another church member is not your enemy another church is not your enemy but the enemy is the devil and we got to get our guns off each other and get it back on the devil and learn he's an adversary you'd be amazed at the things I hear about traveling this wasn't long ago, me and Becky sat with a pastor and his wife with a young girl sitting at the desk, 12 years old, telling her parents that I can't count the times that I've sat and wept and prayed with young people and older people. Preacher, I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to painkillers. I'm addicted to this. Preacher, I'm addicted to pornography. Preacher, it's destroyed my marriage. It's destroyed my home. It's destroyed everything around. And story after story, story after story, and people that I thought would stand true blue forever and that would never get into the whims of the devil went to churches where preachers used to stand behind pulpits that were unmovable. And said, where is he at? What's going on? And they hang their head in shame. As if to testify that he's not even there anymore. Why? Because he treated sin like a pet instead of like a snake. Hear me, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and to destroy. And we got to understand that the devil ain't playing games. And the little temptation he throws at you, it's a little piece of the big picture. And listen to me, me and Becky, we've made, we, we, we talked about all this. And there's more at stake than just our fun. And there's more at stake than just the pleasure of a moment. But hear me, if the devil can give you. He can get everybody around you. I've got too much at stake. I think about little Tucker and I think about little Siler and I think about little Everly and think about the devastation that my kids will face if I treat sin like a pet instead of like a snake. There's too much at stake if there's ever been a day that we got to build walls up and pray a hedge about our family and our kids. I pray like this God. I want you to put a hedge around my family 
The devil tried to get Job, but he couldn't get to him because there was a hedge in front of him. There was a hedge behind him and a hedge on both sides. And when I go to pray for my family, I say, God, put a hedge up around my family all the way around so that the devil can't get in. It's too much at stake to treat the devil like a pet instead of like a snake. I believe if we'd all examine our lives tonight, we'd probably find places where he's already getting. God help us to plug them holes as quick as we can because devastation is come if we're not careful. The cause of these the curse of these. People die. Sometimes we live so churchy in these walls. We don't get a real picture of what this world's really like. But the thoughts that somewhere around the sound of the, the voice of this building, there's a home with some kids in it that's got a daddy for the crackhead and a mama that's gone missing. Them kids don't have no hope and they don't have no help. The only hope they're going to have is if somebody in here takes them the gospel message. Sin. Curse. If we had to leave at this point, we'd all go home. How discouraging. How terrible this world, I believe, listen, I believe we're living in some of the worst days we've ever lived. This world's lost its ever-loving mind. That which is right is wrong, and that which is wrong is right. This thing has flip-flopped. It's all right from the pass-out condoms at school. It's all right for them to take them to get an abortion at school. It's all right, but don't let a coach kneel down and pray with his kids. This thing has lost its mind. Right and wrong. The cause of these snakes and the curse of these Lastly, we see here for these. I'm so thrilled for the opportunity and privilege to be a gospel preacher. The gospel is good news from a far country. And the entirety of this text is a foreshadow and a picture of sin being defeated upon the old rugged cross. John chapter 3 and verse 14, I believe it is. Even as the serpent was laid upon the, upon the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we find here it is a picture, a foreshadow of Jesus being put upon the cross of Calvary and that this world may be sin sick and this world may be lost in sin and this world may be devastated by its choices. But aren't you glad I see people, I see some people coming to the thing and looking at the brazen serpent maybe 
One of them had one bite on their arm. Not very sick, but they had one bite. But yet the brazen serpent was enough to cure that one bite. I also see some that were walking up that hill. Some may have been carried up the hill that had 13, 14 bites. But no matter how many bites they had, no matter how bad off they were, there was enough power in that brazen serpent to heal them from what was wrong. You know what I thank God about the blood of Jesus? It don't matter who you are. It don't matter where you've been. And it don't matter what you've done. I'm glad that there's enough power in the blood of Jesus to wash us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I thank God that when we go to talking about the blood of Jesus, he can take a black heart, he can wash it in red blood, and it'll come out as white as snow. I thank God that there is a fountain. When I feel my help coming on, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinner's blood beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stains. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I thank God, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I believe we could testify tonight and be here till tomorrow of people standing up and testifying how lost you were, how bound up you were, how broke you were, how depressed you were, how at the end of the rope you were but there was a good glad hour when an old fashioned Holy Ghost preacher got to preaching the word of God and told you about a man named Jesus and lifted up the cross of Calvary and in that moment for the good God almighty for the first time in your life you looked up and you saw love and you saw forgiveness and you saw mercy and you said I got to have some of that oh Jesus save me and in that moment, everything you've ever done was washed away by the blood of the Lamb. I'm thankful that in this day, I get to go around telling people, I don't care what you've done, the blood is enough. It's enough. You say, what's all these people come to church and shout about and cry about? We just remember how bit we were and how broke we were and how much of a mess we were in in that good glad hour. For a long time I traveled down a long lonely road my heart was so heavy, in sin I sank low. Then I heard about Jesus. What a wonderful hour. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. 
Thank God I'm free, free, free from this world of sin. Sing with me. I've been washed in the blood. I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved. By His wonderful grace, I'm so glad He The cure of the snakes was that they could look and look and live. Legalists have a hard time with this text because they got 13 steps of what you got to do before you'll be cured. But I'm glad that it's not of works. It ain't a ma- <laughs> it ain't amount of money that you got to pay. It don't say you got to be a member of a Baptist church. It don't say this nor that. It's look and live. It's the finished work of Calvary. I thank God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I begin to think. I've told this story so many times, but it's perfect. Is it okay? Y'all sing Amazing Grace every time you come to church. I can tell the same story every now and then. I begin to think to myself, the person that I knew that had been bit by sin the most, somebody whose life was devastated by sin. Many people crossed my mind. But I settled on the story and life of my little old redneck grandma from the mountains of mean as the devil. I believe to this date, y'all just give me time, I ain't being mean, I'm just telling the truth. I believe the only reason Becky even married me is the first time I took Becky home to West Virginia to meet my family. My grandma, five foot five, looked Becky up and down and said, if you break his heart, I'm going to break your life. I remember thinking, you go, Grandma. That's right, girl. You get her now. Hey, hey. Grandma was a moonshiner. She was a coal miner's daughter. Went through the, only went through about second grade and lived literally in poverty in the mountains of West Virginia. There was no church, no Bible, no preacher, no nothing. I remember uh, right before I was born, my mama got saved, my daddy got saved and all that. And, and, and we were the only Christian people on both sides of the family. My grandma was lost. And I remember growing up, and, 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 and no matter where we were, we, with somebody asked for a prayer request, and we'd say pray for granny and pray for grandpa to get saved. And twice a year, mom and daddy would treat us like Gospel assassin. Easter and Christmas. They'd send us into Grandma's house begging her to come to church. But she wasn't even nice about it. Would cuss us. Belittle us. Make fun of us. and Talk down to us. Tell us that we's part of a cult. Anybody else ever heard that before? Tell us we lost our mind and we just need to go have fun and live life and there wasn't even a God and all that stuff just down talking everything about it. She was mean. Ran around on my grandpa so many times we lost count. Grandpa got black lung and lung cancer from working in the coal mines. 
Never been to church his whole life. Three months before my grandfather died, my father led him to the Lord in the bed. Based on his testimony, my grandpa's in heaven, right? I always, my grandpa's a good man. I always thought that eventually my grandpa would get But when it came, granted, y'all ever had somebody in your family that was so far gone that you just didn't know they's ever going to turn? My grandma found out one night that my uncle's wife was she. She was living in West Virginia with us at the time. And uh, she found out, let's all thank God my grandma didn't have Facebook. I mean, it's a miracle. Y'all hear me? I <laughs> hath not seen, ear hath not heard the things that have been displayed on Facebook if my grandma to have one. And she found out my uncle's wife was Grandma peeled out of our driveway at 9 o'clock at night from Charleston, West Virginia, drove to Dallas, North Carolina on the outskirts of Charlotte, North Carolina, pulled up. To the house where my where my uncle lived, where my aunt and his and her boyfriend was inside. My, my family's so jacked up; it's hard for me even to remember all the details. She was inside with her new boyfriend. My grandma went to beating on the door, yelling words that I can't even say in church. I mean, hooping and hollering and yelling inside that house. Really, finally, my grandma realized my aunt wasn't coming out of the house. So my grandma, my 85-pound soaking wet, I mean, just old. I mean, I, I don't even know how old she might have been, 120 years old at the time. I don't know. But she said, if you ain't going to come out, I'll come in. And started grabbing two by fours out of, the, out, of the, out, of the, out of the little garden and throwing them through the windows of the house. Finally, my aunt come out, my grandma put a WWF, I mean DDT, I mean whooped her in the front yard, Jerry Springer style, y'all hear me? I mean whooped up on her, got back in her car, drove back to West Virginia and was cooking biscuits and gravy by 9 a.m. Anybody got somebody like my grandma in your family? I'm just trying to say, I thought God was going to save my grandpa. It's going to be a long stretch for God to get a hold of my grandpa. God called me to preach. A month or so later, I met Dr. Larry Brown, a Jubilee up in West Virginia. I went and told him that God had called me to preach. He said, you need to move to South Carolina. Let me teach you to preach. I moved down and took a job working for him, and that's where I met Becky, and that was a good day of my life. Thank God for the will of God. Somebody say amen. And I, I moved down. I went through college. Went, I jammed four years of Bible college into seven. I finally graduated and we was going back to West Virginia with a bunch of preacher boys and we was going to put up a little evangelistic crusade, the very first tent meeting I ever preached in. We put a, a tent up and we was going to have a meeting up there. Mama called me. She said, your grandma found out you come to town. She wants to talk to you. Usually that meant cat head biscuit. I'm talking about sausage gravy. I'm talking about... Uh, <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, my head hurts, my stomach hurts, can't find my cigarettes. That's what that means. I said, hallelujah. Tell her I'll be there at 8 o'clock. I pulled up on that gravel driveway. I walked through. I said, Granny, it's me. Usually the stove would be warm and the fragrance would be in the air. But this morning, no lights was on. The stove was cold. 
remember thinking, where's grandma? She was nowhere to be found. I walked through the house hollering for her, and I'll never forget just that little tiny shack of a house she lived in. And through the corner in the back, I seen my grandma come out, and she tried to lift her head up, preacher, smile at me. Dropped her head and began. That was a big deal. I'd never seen grandma cry. I watched her sit through my grandfather's funeral emotion. My mama would testify she's here. She never heard her mama say, I love you. She never knew what it was like for her mama to wrap her arms around and hug her. She was stone cold. And I'm looking at my grandma. She had just had a stroke. This whole side of her face was paralyzed and drooping down. And I said, Grandma, what's the wrong with you? What's the matter? I thought maybe she got a bad doctor's report or something. And I, I helped her through that little shack of a house and sat her in that one little chair in her living room. I said, Grandma, talk to me. Finally gained her composure enough and she took one of them little hanky rags of hers and wiped her eyes. I just, he said, all your life, all you've ever tried to do is get to go to that church and hear your daddy preach. I've been thinking of how rude I always was. She said, I just cried against and I just want to tell you that I'm processor and the Holy Ghost. I said, Grandma, that ain't all you need to talk about, is it? She said, no. I said, what, Lord? I feel like what I tell you. I said, what's wrong? She said, I don't rightly know, child. She said, I've never thought about heaven and hell for three straight seconds. It's never bothered me. It's never worried me. It's never kept me up at night. She said, I've always just shucked it off and just didn't worry about it. She said, but three nights ago, she said, I woke up out of this bed and an awful fear come over my heart of knowing that when I die, that there's no way I'll go to hell. She said, I know if I die, I'll go to hell. And she said, for three days and three nights, she said, I can't eat. She said, I can't sleep. All I do is think that I can't live long and that when I die, I'm going to hell and she began to weep uncontrollably and sat there boy I knew what was going on I know before I ever got there that the Holy Ghost had been working on my grandma I got in there and boy she began to weep and she said when I found out you was coming to town she said I wanted to ask you one question I said grandma I'll do my best she looked at me as if it was the million dollar question her eyes pierced into mine and she Do you think that your God, after all these, and after all the wicked things I've done, then, do you think that your God could still save a woman like me? The hairs on the back of my neck stood at attention and I went into full-blown crusade. I had just graduated Bible college. I had the Romans road memorized front to
I ran to my truck. Grandma couldn't read the Bible. She only went through the second grade. But I grabbed that Bible. I wheeled that thing around. And like an old-fashioned hacking preacher, I went to reading Grandma the Romans road for the wages of sin. I started, I mean, I just, for the wages of sin of the devil, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I was giving every bit I had of it, reading her them verses. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm talking about it. It was like I was preaching to 2,000 people and my grandma was the only lady in the room. I started reading her that Romans road. I got halfway to Rome and grandma went to beat me on the back. She said, hey boy, can't we just skip to the praying part? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, we can. I said, Grandma, they taught me in Bible college that a sinner don't know how to pray. I said, but me as a God-called preacher, it's my job to teach you and show you how to pray. I said, Grandma, if God would take you just as you are, would you let him? She said, yeah. I said, all right, don't talk to me, but talk to God and say something like this, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I kept waiting on her to say it. I've been trained that they repeat it as soon as you say it. Grandma, I'll say this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. There's this long pause. And I heard what I thought was going to be a novice woman that ain't never prayed squall out to God and say, Oh, God in heaven, have mercy on me, a sinner. I thought, that ain't what I told you to say. Where'd that come from? And Grandma went to calling out on God, asking God to forgive her of her sin, coming to her heart. I heard my Grandma confess some things that I wish I'd have never heard her say as she called out on God, asked God to come. Listen to me. No magazine wrote up about it. There wasn't no, there no Facebook Live. But in that moment, hear me, I felt 2,000 pounds of heaven come inside that little old room as the God of heaven took my grandma's black heart washed it in red blood and made her white as snow and in that room the God of heaven took her from a child of darkness and put her in the hand of God and saved my grandma we wept and cried and shouted I said grandma in Bible college they taught me there's these confirmation verses that you read to somebody just got saved so they don't base it on feeling but they base it on the fact of the word of God I started going through that she started yelling at me hey boy you trying to make me doubt what I just did I got saved and I know I did now shut up about it I said yes ma'am yes ma'am she said now ain't you preaching somewhere tonight I said yes ma'am said what time are you going to come get me I'll never forget we was in there, me and a bunch of my friends, we was in the LaBelle Theater in South Charleston, West Virginia. There's about 400 people in that auditorium and we had saved my mama and my grandma some seats on the second row and I'll never forget we was in the middle of the congregation singing and here come my mama and my grandma through the back door and my mama just walked down and nobody knew what was going on. We didn't have Facebook in them days. Nobody knew what had happened except the few people I'd called and told them and when they seen grandma walking in, everybody just began to stare. Everybody knew who she was. Everybody knew what she was capable. I remember she before church, she said, now I ain't got no church clothes. I said, Grandma, put on your best bingo clothes and come on, girl. It'll be all right. And I remember she walked in that place and she come on inside there. And I'll never forget when she walked there, she started going like this. All her life she'd been told if she walked in church, a roof would fall in. And she was checking it out. She walked inside that little old church. 
got in her seat, just staring around, never been as far as I know, other than maybe a funeral when she was a teenager, never been in Sitting there listening to all that singing, her eyes as big as bacon, looking around, taking it all in. And before I noticed, she started looking over towards me going, I thought, Lord, what in the world? I don't know if she's trying to worship. I don't know if that's her way of expressing anything. I don't I told her to shake hands. I, there wasn't no telling what she, how far she'd take it. I didn't know what was going on. And I said, I walked down. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I was trying to get your attention. I said, yes, ma'am, what do you need? She said, I want to say. I said, what do you mean? She said, I said, to who? I said, go ahead and say it. She said, I want to say it to I said, Grandma, the Bible says you've got to wait 48 hours before you can say anything. <laughs> she couldn't read. She'll never know until she got to heaven. I said, you got to wait. My mama gave me them eyes. And I said, Grandma, practice it in my ears. I ain't no telling what you'll say. What, what, what do you want to say? And I'll never forget my grandma. She went to crying again. I said, I told you I've been mighty embarrassed about the way I've lived my life. And I thought it'd be a good start to tell all these people that God came to my house today. He said, I wanted to tell them that who I was ain't who I am no more. Sweetest picture one of I have in my office. Me holding my little old grandma. Ain't been saved 12 hours yet. Testified to all them people. That, I wish I could still hear say that God came to my house. Who I was. We shouted and rejoiced, and it's almost like you could see through the clouds as God smiled. His ability to save anybody, anywhere, anytime. That was the end of May, beginning of June. The end of July. I woke up in a Hotel and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, to my mama calling me at 6 o'clock in the morning. Them ain't evangelist hours. Somebody say amen. 6 o'clock in the morning, mama called. She was crying. She said, I just wanted to let you know that your grandma went to sleep last night. Never woke up. And just like you, in that moment, I felt a little bit sad. My grandma was gone, but I couldn't stay sad. All I could think about is all them prayers I prayed as a child. For God to save my grandma. Many times I thought God didn't hear me and that God couldn't answer. It was as if God was flexing his muscles, showing how God has the power to save anybody, anywhere, anytime. And all I could picture in my mind was my grandma crawling in that bed that night, her little old feeble body about gone. She closed her eyes and went to sleep only to I mean, you either got to believe it or don't believe it. I believe it. To open, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And in that moment, what did my grandma, Lord, I'm about to run. What did my grandma see? It's been a long time ago now. 
And I believe she's probably still standing in the same place going, A perfect testimony of somebody that sin had bit multiple times that had nothing to offer God at all but yet came to Calvary with nothing to offer and nothing to give but in a simple prayer saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Name wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life as a testimony to the blood of Jesus. And in this room, there are many people who's got somebody in your family quite like my grandma. Might be a different story, a different vein, a different this or that, but maybe you give up praying for them. Maybe it would be the amazement of your lifetime for God to say that maybe you've even quit praying for them. But tonight, maybe, just maybe, God sent me by to encourage you that this is no time to quit praying for. Maybe a mom and dad in this room and you got a prodigal out yonder somewhere and the devil's told you it's over with and they're never coming home. May I remind you that my God's still sitting on the throne and still has everything under control. And this ain't no time to quit praying yet. Preachers in this community, this world's eat up with sin and drugs and alcohol. This is no time to quit telling the good news of the gospel because the truth is they can still look and live. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, piano players coming, whoever. As we stand to our feet all over the church, I wonder how many people would be honest and say, Brother C.T., I've got somebody in my family right now. They're not saved. They're far in sin. And Brother C.T., tonight I'm asking God to give me my burden back and to give me my tears back to pray for my family and friends. How many of y'all lift a hand and say, that's me, preacher. I got somebody like that. A mom and a daddy maybe got a prodigal son or daughter out there. Here's what I want us to do. Let's put some feet on these prayers. And let's gather around these old-fashioned altars and let's stay here for a little while. Say, God, don't let my babies go to hell. Don't let my mama go to hell. Don't let my daddy go to hell. God, may they see the cross. May they see Jesus. May they see the blood of the Lamb. God, may it be real to them. And maybe there's somebody in this room tonight. You are that one wandering away. The devil's told you there's no way back. You've done too much wrong. It can never be fixed. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll come to Jesus, he'll in no wise cast you out. Come to Christ tonight. He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll change you. They're about to sing a song. I wonder how many people right now you, you say, preacher, I normally don't come to an altar. I don't care what you normally do. Right now, I want you to come right now. Let's get around these old-fashioned altars and do business with God. People are moving right now. That's wonderful. Come on. Let's do business with God tonight. Come on. Here they come. Here comes some more. That's wonderful. Come on. Let's pray together. As they sing, won't you come?
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I wonder how many people unapologetically, unashamedly say, Brother C.T., I remember a time when I looked and lived. I remember a day when Jesus saved me, changed my life, and without a shadow of a doubt, I'm saved, and I know that I'm here's my hand, preacher. I can testify to that. I'm saved, and I know it hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. I wouldn't be doing what God's called me to do if I didn't ask you the most important question anybody ever asked me. And that's this. Are you 100% sure that you're saved tonight? Are things right between you and God? Can you sing the old song, It is well with my soul, and it resonate in your heart? Or like the prodigal, have you wandered far away? Or maybe like my grandma, you're lost in sin. I wonder while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder would there be anybody in this room that say, Brother C.T., I don't want you to embarrass me. Things aren't right between me and God. When you pray, would you please remember me in prayer? If that's you, I wonder would you slip your hand up. Preacher, things aren't right between me and God. Would you slip a hand up, put it right back down? Preacher, please pray for me. I see that hand, son. Thank you. I see that hand, sir. I see that hand, lady. Would there be another? Preacher, please remember me. In I see that hand, sir. Preacher, please pray for me. I see that hand, young lady. Thank you. Preacher, please pray for me. Things aren't right between me and God. I'm about to pray. Would there be one more? Say, Preacher, pray for me when you pray. Things aren't right between me and God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you saw every hand that was just raised. More than that, you saw the heart of everyone that should have raised their hand. I pray, God, tonight in the name of Jesus, Lord, I promised them I'd pray for them. My prayer can't save them. But God, I'm asking you to show mercy on them. God, I'm asking you right now to inject in their heart enough faith to believe and trust you. I'm asking you, God, to give them the strength and the boldness they need to do it tonight. God, for many, this could be their last chance. We don't know. You said boast not yourselves of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but right now, God would draw in power, get a hold of them. In Jesus' name, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. From the back to the front, every single one of you that just lifted your hand and said, Brother C.T., things aren't right between me and God. I don't want you to do nothing, but I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball right now. Thank you, son. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Here's what I'm going to ask. I believe this is your moment. I believe this is your time. I'm going to ask you for once in your life to quit worrying about what people's going to think. And I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Come to me right now. And let me take a Bible. Let's make things right. We'll get, that's right, son. Come on. Come on, young lady. Come on right now. Come on. Come on right now. Come on. Sir, from the back, won't you come? That's right. Here comes another. Ma'am, won't you come? That's right. Won't you come? That's right. Won't you come? Won't you come? Where's the rest of you? Three, four, five people coming right now. Come on. Just kneel right here, son. Young lady, come here. Right here. Just kneel right here. 
Right here, ma'am. Just kneel right there. Young lady, you take her and you take her. Let's sing another verse as they're being dealt with on this old-fashioned altar. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading? Colt, 24 years old, just trusted Christ on the altar tonight. That never gets old to me. based upon an individual's choice to look and live.
Boy, I'm glad we had three who chose tonight to look and live. Amen. Amen. Craig, come up here, buddy, if you would, man. I want you to dismiss us in prayer. I want you to pray for services tomorrow night. We'll be cranking up again at 7 o'clock. I need those of you from SAGBC who work our parking lots. If you'll be here tomorrow night at 6.15 to help out Brother Darrell, uh, if you'll see him tonight to let him know that you'll help him tomorrow night, uh, I would appreciate that here at 6.15. And our members, if you'll help me tomorrow by parking down in our child care parking lot, that'll free up the parking up here uh, for our visitors. I'd appreciate that tonight. Come dismiss us in prayer. Brother, I love you. Fellowship with Brother CT and the folks tonight. Tables in the back. Brother CT and Becky have their product table back there. Miss Kyla has her product table back there. You stop by, tell them you love them, let them know you appreciate them. Were you glad to be in church tonight? Give us a big amen. Craig, dismiss us in prayer, buddy. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for honoring her tonight. Faithful men. Not ashamed to gospel of Jesus. Five-year-old boy, I got saved back in Salem, North Carolina. Father, thank you for a 97-year-old grandmother got saved up there in West Virginia. Father, thank you for tonight for the three that came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does never. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for moving. Thank you for the feeling that we have of knowing that we're saved, but thank you for the fact of when we've trusted you as personal Savior. Father, those that didn't come tonight, we pray you'll speak to them. Maybe some leaving tonight without a saving knowledge of Jesus. Speak to their heart. Encourage us as your people. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're doing in the days ahead. 